Welcome to Stonebridge. Here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of virtual and social distanced worship, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can give through the mail. If you'd like offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. Every week during the Divine Appointments message series, Pastor John is taking a deeper dive into the sermon in a new podcast called Stonebridge Extras. Stonebridge Extras was created to help deepen your discipleship, deepen your understanding of the Bible, and your understanding of how to follow Jesus. Stonebridge Extras can be found every weekend on your favorite podcast app starting Saturday nights at 5.30. We continue to be in partnership with the Samaritan Center by assisting our communities disenfranchised by providing boxed dinners to clients. If you would like to take an active part in providing food and or assembling boxed dinners, please contact the church office to be added to the volunteer roster. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hi, Stonebridge. Our scripture today comes from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 28. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. This is God's word to us today. Hello, Stonebridge. I am Pastor John, one of the pastors here, and we are continuing our sermon series entitled Divine Appointments. And in this sermon series, we are looking at how Jesus interacts with different individuals in the Gospel of John so that we can understand how Jesus interacts with us and so we can learn how we can interact with other people following Jesus' example. So today we are looking at the character of Thomas, famously known as Doubting Thomas, and how Jesus interacts with him after Jesus has been resurrected. So as we turn to the scriptures, I invite you to join with me in prayer. And please pray with me. Lord, open up your word to us through this story of Thomas and the other disciples and how you appeared to them, Lord, open up your word to us so that we can understand how you are calling us to be disciples and we can understand the lives that you are calling us to as your followers. Speak to us now through your Bible, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Throughout its history, The Christian church has not been great about handling doubts. 
by and large, Christians have wrestled with doubts. I mean, you can go back and look at church history and just see so many examples of people who doubted certain parts of the faith, who doubted certain beliefs and how they were treated. In good eras, they would be just kind of shunned and pushed aside. At the church's darkest moments, though, doubt was responded to with people losing their lives, with people being exiled, with people being isolated. Sometimes the doubt didn't even have to be specifically about Christian faith. I mean, there's a famous example of Galileo, the uh, scientist who doubted something about the physical world that wasn't even central to faith in the message of Scripture, and he was punished for this. Doubts, the church hasn't responded well to them. And it's really to the detriment of the church and to the doubter. To the person who doubted, people were unjustly punished for their doubts. But for the church, it's in those eras, those moments that the church has its darkest moments when it doesn't respond to doubt well. But I understand why the church has responded this way, because we as individuals often respond to doubts poorly. I don't know what it is, but for some people, a lot of people, the doubts of other people seem to kick up our own doubts. And if we haven't really wrestled with the doubts that we have, if we haven't really examined what we believe, then other people expressing their doubts or their questions, it can kick up our anxieties. And it can make us as individuals respond poorly to people who doubt our faith or doubt their faith or doubt a specific part of the Christian faith. So doubts and the way we respond to them. In those moments, we can respond in a way that glorifies Christ or a way that pushes people away from Christ. But what is so interesting to me and what is so curious to me is how we respond to doubts the way we do, but it seems to be so different than how Jesus responded to Thomas when Thomas had some doubts. In our scripture passage, we have a story of somebody who expresses some doubt. And Jesus responds in such a unique way, in such a way that is so unexpected when you look at how the church has responded to doubts throughout its history. But before we get into Jesus' response, I just have to introduce us to Thomas a little bit here. Thomas is one of the disciples, one of the inner circle for Jesus. And Thomas throughout history has become known as Doubting Thomas. In fact, that's even a phrase where somebody can be a doubting Thomas. That nickname is pretty unfortunate for Thomas for a couple of reasons. First off, when you look at his story, when you look at Thomas in scripture, this is his worst moment. So throughout history, for the last 2,000 years, he has become known by his very worst moment. Now imagine if you were known throughout history for your worst moment, what your nickname might be. A lot of us are thinking back to times in college right now, dreading that thought and realize that's what happened to Thomas here. He was known for his very worst moment, which we should never define people by their worst moments. People are more than the worst actions that they commit. 
Um, so with Thomas, we can have some grace with him and realize one, this is, this is his bad side. He, he has a lot of good things that he brings to the table. So maybe we can get rid of doubting Thomas and calling him that. But the other reason that Thomas, this name doubting Thomas is unfortunate for him is that his request is actually very reasonable. Thomas's request, his doubt is completely reasonable when you look at the story and you look at it closely. When you look at what's happened here, Thomas's doubt, it makes sense. In this story, what happens is that the disciples are all standing around in a room. The door is locked and Jesus shows up. Jesus appears. He has died. They watched him die. Now he's been resurrected and he's standing there in their midst in a door with locked, with lock, in a room with locked doors. Jesus appears to them. So the disciples, they are excited. They are taken up in this moment and I understand why. They thought they were lost, but now here Jesus is. They thought everything they'd followed Jesus for, all of it was for naught. But here Jesus is now. They are excited. But then we learn that Thomas wasn't there. Thomas didn't get to see Jesus be resurrected. And Thomas's request is, as I've said, incredibly reasonable. All he wants is to see what they've seen. He wants what everybody else in that room got that he didn't get. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas not being there raises two questions for me. First, it raises the question of where in the world was Thomas? What was more important? Their, their leader had just been killed. Jesus had been crucified on the cross and he was dead and the disciples were there mourning together, grieving together. Where was Thomas? Was he out getting groceries? Was he on some sort of errand for the rest of them? I, I just wonder, and the text doesn't tell us this, the Bible doesn't tell us where Thomas was, what he was doing. But then the other question that it raises for me is why did Jesus choose this time to appear to the disciples? Why did Jesus choose a time when Thomas wasn't going to be there? There are certainly other moments when Thomas would have been present, where he wouldn't have been the only one left out. Why did Jesus choose this time to appear to the disciples? When you look at how this story plays out, I, I don't have a solid answer here, but I can't help but speculate that Jesus chose this time specifically because Thomas wasn't there. Because the truth is what Thomas is doubting, what he's asking for, it's actually very reasonable. And if we look at most people's doubts, they're actually reasonable. Doubting isn't bad in and of itself. Doubting is part of being a thinking person. It's part of being somebody who is wrestling with the faith. If you're doubting things from time to time, it means you're really engaging with what it is we're proclaiming. So the doubts that people come to us with, the doubts that we feel inside of ourselves, they, they're not things that we have to actually be afraid of. And I think Jesus knew this. 
I think Jesus knew that doubts are not that terrifying, that they're not that scary. And I think Jesus chose this time to appear to the disciples, honestly, to set up this entire story so that we could have this example of somebody who is doubting. Because when you go back and look at it and look at how the story plays out here, Jesus is not afraid of Thomas's doubts. Jesus doesn't shame Thomas for his doubts. Jesus doesn't tell Thomas something is wrong with him because he's doubting. What does Jesus do? Jesus gives Thomas exactly what he wanted. He gives him exactly what he is requesting. Go and read these stories closely and realize Jesus recreates almost the same exact scene. So the way this plays out, Jesus appears to the disciples. They're in a room with the door locked. Thomas isn't there that time. He says to them, peace be with you. Peace to you. And then Thomas says, I won't believe it until I see it, until I touch his scars, until I touch his side. I won't believe it. And then Jesus appears again to the disciples in a locked room and says, peace to you. It's the same exact scene. Jesus goes to this length to recreate this scene for Thomas, which is exactly what Thomas was asking for. There is nothing to fear with our doubts. Us doubting does not change the reality of God's existence. Us questioning an aspect of the faith doesn't change whether or not Jesus was raised from the dead. He was, and God exists. And our doubts don't undo any of that. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that. And he blesses Thomas and he blesses the disciples with that knowledge. So I think for every single one of us, we doubt at times. We wrestle with doubt at times. We have a world around us that is questioning our faith. None of that is cause for fear. None of that is cause for anxiety. Our God is great enough that God can withstand whatever doubts we or the world have. Our doubts, they don't change reality. Jesus knows this. And Jesus is willing to create this entire scene yet again for Thomas. I know that gives me great courage. I am somebody who does doubt. I have doubts that I wrestle with. I question everything in my life. It's like my life is an episode of X-Files or something where you're questioning everything. Doubts are okay and they are normal and God can't handle those, as this story tells us. But there's one more lesson that we have to point out here. Something that I think is easy to overlook, but is so important to how this story progresses. Thomas is not there the first time Jesus appears. He's gone. Who knows what he's doing? And then a week later, Jesus appears again. Notice something, though. There was one week where Thomas was not on the same page as all the other disciples. There was a week there where Thomas was doubting everything they were telling him. 
Think about how excited they must have been. Think about how encouraged they must have been. And there in their midst is this contrarian Thomas who is not believing it and says he won't believe it until he sees it. The disciples have no idea that Jesus is going to recreate this scene in a week. But a week later, there Thomas is still with them. They have not shamed Thomas for his doubts. They have not pushed him out of their community. He's no, he, they didn't say he's no longer a disciple or anything of the sort. Thomas is right there with them. Their fellowship, their community, it continued despite Thomas's doubts. If there's one thing that we as a church can take from this example and take from this story, it's that we have to make room in our lives and in our churches for people who are wrestling with doubts. We have to make sure that doubts never become something that sever our relationships. That somebody expressing a doubt, it never becomes something that ends our fellowship. The disciples kept Thomas close. They embraced him. And Thomas felt like he could still be in relationship with these people, even though he did not believe what they were telling him. So to those of us who don't really struggle with doubts, or I guess I should say to those of you who don't really struggle with doubts, because I already confess that I do from time to time. I think that that is a model and an example for you. The people who are doubting in your lives, how can you reach out to them? How can you stay in relationship with them? How can you care for them? Not trying to prove them wrong, but just loving them and staying connected to them. And for those of you who do wrestle with doubt and who think that maybe your doubt, that it blocks you from being part of a church or that your doubt blocks you from being connected to Christians or you have to run away because you have doubts, look at Thomas's example there. He doesn't run away. He doesn't disconnect. He doesn't separate. They remain connected so that this scene can take place, so that Jesus can appear again. And for each and every one of us, let us look to Jesus' example here. Jesus goes to great lengths to embrace Thomas's doubt and to give him reason to not doubt anymore. We should all be able to trust that Jesus will do the same thing for us. Jesus will do the same thing for those we love. So in the face of doubts, we don't have to separate from people. We don't have to isolate ourselves. We don't have to isolate others. We can trust that Jesus will show up. We may not actually see it with our own eyes, but Jesus will show up. That is the God that we worship. That is our Lord. That is our Savior. And may we rest in Jesus' confidence. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
Get it. 